Good morning, saints. Well, uh, if you would please take your Bibles and uh, turn to Luke chapter 2. That's in the beginning of your New Testament. So as we bring our current sermon series to a close this month, uh, we are adapting the theme, the glory of God, to the Advent season, to what Scripture has to say about the coming and the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's read our sermon text for this morning. You are likely familiar with it, and you have probably heard it many, many, many times. You've probably seen it on the Charlie Brown Christmas special as well. You have probably seen it or heard it uh, in lots and lots of little children's pageants throughout the year. There is a particular phrase that I want you to pay attention to as we read this. And I hope that you will never ever read or hear this passage in the same light again. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there were with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. That's the phrase that we're going to focus on as we begin our sermon this morning. But in order to do so, we need to take a little background information. You might know that angels are God's messengers. They are his servants. That's actually what the word angel means. It means messenger. It is fascinating to trace the times that God has used angels in history to carry out his will. Angels... An angel is a spirit, a localized spirit. Sometimes they take on a physical form that we're not familiar with, and sometimes they take on human form. In most cases, their presence is very alarming to the person that they are visiting, and for good reason. I don't blame the people who were afraid when they see an angel. And I'm not surprised that often the first thing out of the angel's mouth is, Fear not. There is usually no commentary regarding how the angel appeared or if there was even a glow or anything round about that angel. Now, angels are sent by God for a purpose. We call them God's holy angels because they are perfectly obedient when the Lord has sent them to do something. You will recall in the Gospels that God sent an angel to the priest Zechariah to let him know that God had heard their prayers. Even in their old age, they would have a baby and they would name him John. 
the Baptist. We call him John the Baptist. Similarly, God sent an angel to both Mary and to Joseph regarding baby Jesus. Now, going back to Zechariah, remember how he was gripped with fear and he asked the question, how can this be since my wife, since we are advanced in age? Gabriel's response is classic. Luke chapter one, verse 19. He said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now, notice what Gabriel says. Number one, I stand in the presence of God. He was rebuking Zechariah for his unbelief. And he also said that God had sent him to give the message of the good news. Now, keep this background information in your mind. Go back to Luke chapter 2, our sermon text. Have you ever questioned or wondered or pondered about that phrase, the glory of the Lord shone around them? Why is it that in virtually every account of God sending an angel up to this point, we do not see this phenomenon? Consider the content of the message on this occasion. Why is the glory of the Lord accompanying the angel? In the previous encounters, even here in the Gospels, regarding John and Jesus, God sent an angel. But saints, I want you to hear me on this one. On this occasion... God did not send an angel. God accompanied the angel. He's here. Emmanuel, God with us. Let that sink in deep. You see, it is at this point that the message of Jesus, as we say now, is going viral. It's not just to Mary and Joseph, a specific announcement to them. It's going to everyone now. And he's already here. He's over there in Bethlehem. Saints do not overlook statements such as these in God's word. Every word of God is tested and has a purpose and a meaning. That's why they're in the Bible. The phrase, the glory of the Lord shown round about them is an intentional pointing to an incontrovertible fact. The angel is not sent by God in the usual sense to make an announcement. God accompanies this angel because the angel is announcing that God has come. Hence, at least in part, that is why the glory of the Lord shone round about them. It was not the angel's glory. It was God's glory. And this is what we call the incarnation or the advent, the coming of the Christ. It is a doctrine that we cherish. And in particular, during this time of year, we celebrate it as we should.
There will be lots of talk this month about little baby Jesus. For the next few weeks, we're going to talk about baby Jesus and the glory of God and the ministry of Jesus in conjunction with the glory of God. So there are really two big concepts that I want you to focus on this morning. The first one is this. Baby Jesus is unlike any other baby to have ever been born. Because Jesus is separate from every other person that has ever lived. He is in a category by himself. Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. He is divine. He is fully God and fully man. He is God who took on human flesh. It's why we celebrate Christmas, the Advent. The second concept is really an application of this truth. We will indeed talk about why Jesus came and what he accomplished for us in the weeks to come. But this morning I want us to savor that simple and profound and glorious truth. God is with us. He is not out there. He is here. The tremendous comfort and support that yields for our weary soul during our fiery and draining trials. So let's look at the first point. The secular historian will acknowledge that Jesus existed. He will acknowledge or she will acknowledge that he made a splash. They will tell you that he was a Jewish rabbi centuries ago. A Muslim will tell you that he was a prophet, but no more. He was, unlike, he was not unlike any other prophet, but he was just a prophet. Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses, they'll tell you their own version. And the list goes on. But none of these opinions or assertions about Jesus Christ accord in any way with the testimony of the New Testament. And that is because the devil is a liar. And he will always throw out ideas that sound good, that sound close to what God has to say, but are devastatingly different. The New Testament is unmistakably clear regarding who Jesus Christ is. This is such a crucial belief that if we build our house on anything less, we will have a house that looks like this. So I invite you to turn to the Gospel of John. John's prologue. You might know that John is the fourth of the gospel writers. The first three are called the synoptic gospels, which means they see through the same lens. They're very similar. John comes in and he just does something completely different. He has a different audience in mind. But I want you to see what he has to say in his opening lines. The first three verses. In the beginning was the Word. This is Jesus. And the Word was with God. Ah, but the Word 
was God. I did not make a mistake when I wrote that. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And there was not anything made that was made in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And he continues. So there's a few things I want you to see in those verses right there. You have the mystery of the triunity of God. He was in the beginning with God. But he's separate from God, from the Father. He is God. But he was with God. The truth that John gives us is unmistakable. He goes on to say that nothing was made that has been made or created apart from him. That has not been said of any other person in history. Turn over to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. To your right, Hebrews chapter 1. That reference, by the way, in the beginning from John, that's creation. That is Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the word. The author of the book of Hebrews is going to make an argument that Jesus is better. He is superior to anyone else that the Jewish mind could conceive. So he begins with angels. So I want you to look, we'll skip down to verse 2, just to keep things moving here. God, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he created the world. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God. All that we've been studying. Jesus radiates every single fiber that we've talked about. He is the exact imprint of God's nature, his essence. And, and, not only did he create everything, he upholds now, current, currently, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. These are unmistakable statements, one after another, that literally would make the Jewish reader's mind explode. Verse 4. I can't remember where we are, actually. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior, here's his point, much superior to the angels, as the name that he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Verse 6. This is what I want you to focus on. When God brings the firstborn, Jesus, into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. If you know anything about the Hebrew scriptures, 
about the Old Testament. You do not worship anyone but God. God says, worship him. Now in your mind, go back to Luke chapter 2. What are the angels doing? What is their message about? Let all the angels of God worship him. One more passage. Matthew chapter 11. Back to the beginning of your New Testament. Familiar territory. Matthew chapter 11. Do you remember these words? Jesus speaking, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Now, I'm going to read this again in a way that you would expect it, expect to see it in your Old Testament. If any one of the big guys from the Old Testament, Isaiah, David, Jeremiah, any of those guys were saying the same thing, here's what they would say. Are you ready? Verse 28 again. Return to God, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and God will give you rest. Take God's yoke upon you. Learn from him, for the Lord is gentle. He is lowly in heart. That only refers to Jesus. And you will find rest for your soul. Do you see what Jesus did? He did what no one else has ever done. Come to me. Come to me. And I, I will give you rest. I, because I am the God-man, I will give you rest. And in me, you will find rest for your soul. Saints, there's a very simple reason why we stress who Jesus truly is. He came to save people from their sins. A good person is unable to do so. God had to come to our rescue. Jesus is the only person in the history of the world <coughs> since the fall to be blameless and without sin. He is the only one able to stand in the place of sinners. As I mentioned earlier, all kinds of philosophies will define Jesus and every last one of them, bar none, will define him in a lesser way. 1.6 billion Muslims in the world today deny his deity and they deny that he ever died on the cross. Do you see how the important parts, the crucial parts are just stripped away? The verses that I gave, of course, are not exhaustive. But I want us to understand who Jesus truly is. 
We call his birth the incarnation because God himself literally took the form of his own creation. That, my friends, is your short theology primer for this morning. Now, I'd like to address the truth of the incarnation in such a way that I hope and pray will bring immense comfort and support for each and every one of us. We'll call this the second point. We know that Jesus came for a purpose. We know that he came to die for the sins of the world. It is good for us to remember that when we celebrate his birth for obvious reasons. But also within that context, let us pause and simply take in the fact that God came to us. What a beautiful name that he has. Emmanuel. God with us. There are many times in our life when we feel alone, we feel forgotten, we feel unseen, and we feel forsaken. We feel let down by others. We feel the weight of our own current trials. We live in the dysfunctionality perhaps of our own family or the people we surround ourselves with. It is no secret that all of that is magnified during this time of year. We can be so overwhelmed when we look at the effects of sin in the world. We see the sufferings of other people, those around us. We see people that we love walking through heartbreak after heartbreak and our heart breaks right alongside with them. Does it not? We go through periods of doubt and uncertainty. We wonder why we have to carry the load that we do. Again, we see other people facing tremendous difficulties and heartache in life. That is amplified when it's people that we love. It is amplified even more when it's our own flesh and blood. In this season, we are painfully aware this year of the effects of warfare and conflict. We lament the pain and the suffering that we see as the result of this all over the world. And of course, not just now, it's all throughout history. My grandparents brought my mom back from Africa when she was three years old to England. There were six or seven boats Ships that were sailing together, the Germans sunk all but one, my mom's. When they finally arrived in London, the bombs were falling so fast and furious that the officials were just taking anyone they could and throwing them on a train and having them peel out of London. By God's grace, she arrived where she needed to be. That's a miracle in her life. The Bible rightfully says that creation itself groans under a curse. We don't have to look far to see the painful effects of sin. We know ultimately that Christ came to reconcile sinners to God, for which we praise the Lord. But this morning, let us pause and take heart. We know why 
Jesus came. But can we for a moment revel in the fact that he came? Let us remember that God has not left us to his own devices. He is not out there somewhere oblivious to our plight. While it is true that over history, he has sent angels and prophets to correct and comfort his people. The indescribable truth and reality is that he came to be with us. From that simple fact and reality alone, we draw courage. We are reminded that God sees us. We are reminded that God is not yet done. We are reminded that sin and death and suffering will not have the final word in our lives. The Lord uses such powerful language in Romans 8 to remind us of that, to remind us, to teach us that we are predestined by God to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We will one day fully and finally stand in his presence, conformed to the image of our Savior. Until that day, we strive with all of God's might to grow in our faith, to grow in the Lord as he transforms us to be made more and more like Jesus. That experience that the lowly shepherds had literally in the presence of God, hearing the angels give praise to him, I totally get why they were sore afraid. But ah, what he said was so beautiful. Do not be afraid. I have good news. Saints, he has come. He is here. He is near. So much trauma the world had experienced at that point and so much since then. God is building his kingdom and the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. This month is the most unique month socially speaking, in the year. Family gatherings, office gatherings, life looks a little bit different. Now, on a personal note, I became a card-carrying member of the team Christmas in November this year. Some of you are happy, some of you are not, because I saw the joy of our daughter Katie, how, Kaylee, how much it brought her joy to put up decorations and such. But I want to speak directly to our heartaches and our griefs and our challenges. I know this morning that many are carrying very, very heavy burdens that are weighing you down. And the likelihood is nobody around you knows about it. You look around and you simply cannot join in with the merriment of the season. Dear saint, if this is you this morning, I know that perspective. And it feels debilitating. May I encourage you to look beyond the lights and the gift giving and see he, see him who stands behind it all. Over there in Bethlehem, there's a little baby. Wrapped in swaddling cloths. 
He is like none other. His advent, his coming was uniformly spoken of by holy men of old. In great detail, we know from Micah exactly where he would be born. We know from Daniel exactly when he would be born. We know from Isaiah exactly how he would be born. And we know his name is Mighty God. We know from Isaiah what he would accomplish. We know from Zechariah that he would accomplish in one day that which the entire priesthood put together times a hundred could not even touch. Dear sorrowed soul, take heart. He has come. He has not forgotten you. He did not send his very best. He came himself. And that is why the glory of the Lord shone all about them. As we close out, consider the psalmist. Psalm 34 Verse 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. Few express the weariness of the soul as the psalmist does. To all of us, I say this in the hustle and in the bustle of this happy season. Dear friends, do not lose sight of the magnitude of this miracle. Do not forget what he has done. Do not let it pass you by. Whether you are deeply sorrowful or whether you have a skip in your step, reflect long and often on the beauty and of the glory of what it is that we are celebrating because the incarnation is Absolutely breathtaking. Consider that Jesus is only referred to as Savior. Did you know this? Once. Once. In the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we just read it. He's only referred to Savior once in John. In the Gospels, he is presented first and foremost as the promised Messiah, the Christ, the Lord, who will and who is the only one who can make all things right. When the angel came to Mary, when the angel came to the shepherds, consider this. They were not told to go visit Elizabeth. They were not told, or she was not told, I'm sorry, they were not told to go to Bethlehem. They weren't commanded to do that. But once they got in their right mind and they listened to what the angel said, it piqued their interest, their curiosity so much that Mary went off to visit her cousin. And the shepherds were like, 
Forget the sheep. We're going to Bethlehem. I pray that that excitement would be yours afresh this year. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we give you thanks. We think of that moment on the hillside in the dead of night. These poor shepherds who did not know what just hit them. Your glory shining around them. Angels bursting into praise. Thank you that for the experience that you record, that they saw heaven, the curtains of heaven just pulled away. Just like Elisha's servant, looking up and seeing the spiritual battle, the warfare, the angels all around him. Oh Lord, I know we all come in different places this morning. No matter where we are at right now, fill us with your joy. Comfort us in the deepest part of our soul. Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for the simplicity and the power of the good news of Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Confidence in who Jesus is, in his death and burial and resurrection, that we can put our confidence and our trust in him alone as our Savior and our Lord apart from our efforts and trust him for the gift of salvation, forgiveness, eternal life. Lord, we always pray, if there is just one person here who has not turned to the Lord Jesus in faith, that today would be the day of their salvation. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.